You're listening to the UBC Medicine Learning Network. As we move to the fall, we're seeing a rapid upswing in the incidence of COVID all across Canada. Are you wondering what you can do to be proactive? How primary care can engage in public health efforts to support our patients? Yeah, me too. This is Primary Care in a Pandemic. Hi, I'm Sarah, and I'm a medical anthropologist working at the University of British Columbia's Department of Family Practice. And I'm Morgan, a family doctor working in the inner city, and I'm faculty in the Department of Family Practice. We're both part of the Primary Care Innovation Support Unit, or the ISU. So we're now moving into the second wave. The situation is very different across Canada and in urban and rural areas. We do know more about COVID, who's at greatest risk, and some options to help. But there's still a lot we don't know. This is really, I think, an opportunity for primary care teams to engage in public health to support their patients, particularly those who are at higher risk, uh, whether it's for hospitalization or for mortality. And public health efforts are really our first line of defense. We saw across Canada efforts to support team-based care and how that's growing. And as we've transitioned rapidly to virtual care, we saw a lot of the burden of care falling back on the primary care providers. So with the primary care providers doing a lot of the work that they might have done across the team, we're losing a bit here and wondering how we can help engage the team on some of the uh, COVID-related primary care work that we can do. I think it's really easy to think about how primary care providers can see a patient virtually. It's perhaps a little bit more difficult to think about how can all these additional team members be engaged in this virtual kind of support and visits. Really how we can do public health better in primary care. Yeah, I mean, we're the last mile, right? So can we figure out who are our highest risk patients for developing severe COVID? Not who's at the highest risk for getting the virus, but who's at risk for higher rates of mortality, hospitalization, And what can we do to help them avoid catching the virus? So what makes them high risk? And then that's a great opportunity to work with nurses who are in primary care, who've got a bit of public health in their DNA themselves, and uh, reach out to those people. Sarah, I often think of my mom and this idea. My mom is in in a high-risk group, and uh, her doctor, we'll call Dr. O, I, I could absolutely see Dr. O's office, not even the physician, but anyone on the team, reaching out and giving my my mom a phone call to say, we're worried about you because you're at a higher risk. And what can you do to continue to follow the the public health guidelines? Masks, social distancing, hand washing, all the, the basics, but thinking about it from a very personalized manner. My mom would be thrilled. I'm sure first thing she would do is she would phone me to tell me what a great doctor Dr. O is and the team. And then she'd probably listen to some of it too. Uh, which she may or may not do with her son. I think it's a great opportunity for us to really bring the team back into this discussion and help our highest risk patients. I think it's building off those trusted relationships too, right? That you already have with your patients as primary care providers to really be able to utilize those and get people to listen maybe in a different way, just like your mom would. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. And we spoke with uh, Dr. Christine Newton, a family doctor in Vancouver, who's also the director of the UBC Health Clinic. And her team was really able to have residents as well as a family practice nurse come in to really start that task of reviewing patient panels proactively at the start of the pandemic to identify those people who were at higher risk. By the end of the summer, we had a little bit of a lull. So 
were engaging a family practice nurse to actually start back at that, the lists of our frail elderly and our more complex chronic disease patients. And then the flu season hit. (laughs) And so now we were proactive in that we've established flu clinics and the protocol and the process and have been able to book that. But again, it's seeming to go in a bit of proactive, reactive, proactive, reactive waves, and it's just adapting to the flow. I think this idea of of working in waves, of adapting and having team members reach out to patients proactively when they can, is really a great way to frame this. We also spoke to Gray Schaller, a nurse who's worked in and managed community health centers. He really highlighted the value of the relationships that nurses have with patients and the role these relationships can play in facilitating the translation of public health guidelines for patients. In particular, the role of nurses, a lot of the work that nurses do is relational. If you've developed those relationships, if people that feel where they're accessing their services is a safe place, you're way ahead. Knowing people and that trust that happens over time is so important. Hopefully they've had a positive experience with that nurse or provider before. So not only is the trust there, but the trust in themselves that the thing that we worked on, you helped me get my blood sugars under control. And we saw that we could do that together. And now you're going to help me with my pandemic response. And and I know that we can do that too. So it it can be hard for people to interpret the generic public health guidelines and the messaging on their own. I think in our last episode, we talked about how different people have different comfort levels and understanding of how to read the data. But this also includes how to incorporate social distancing, etc. into your day-to-day life. So I think both of these examples really demonstrate the active role we can take in primary care. The next idea that we really wanted to focus on was the idea of a mental health check-in. Yeah, Sarah, I I don't know how you're feeling with it all, but the, the nights are getting longer, the days are getting shorter, and this is feeling like it's been a long haul already. We know that people with mental health and people without are suffering more because of some of the intense public health maneuvers that we're doing. And they're worried about the pandemic. They're maybe not reaching out as much socially. There's the potential or actual loss of work and the economic challenges. So we spoke to one of our ISU scholars and our citizen patient, Carolyn Canfield, about this and some of the additional challenges that many patients are facing. I think there are a lot of social concerns. Now that the school year started, it's a huge strain on parents. Older people are worried about how they're going to manage through bad weather in other parts of Canada. We're blessed here on the coast, but that's not true in the rest of BC. Just the logistics of life with social distancing. I think living with uncertainty is not something human beings are very good at. And for me, that's the biggest burden as we look into COVID this fall and winter. Our adaptive capacity really leads us to try to find handholds, find security, find grounding. And um, it's pretty tough for people whose lives are so complex. I think what Carolyn highlights here is so important. There's also this idea that many patients may be avoiding appointments or accessing care due to all of the additional pressures, worrying about their safety, worrying about being an additional burden on their providers. And it's one of those things that as a primary care provider, I wouldn't always know partly because, you know, in a busy day, you might not remember who you haven't seen. But also, it's easy to miss somebody who's not coming in for the wrong reason, perhaps. So I think we can reach out proactively, and we can use our electronic records to find out who hasn't been in but probably should, and do uh, a mental health check. 
And this could be by phone, if that's where patients are at, or it can be by video, but whatever works for that person. And in the ISU, this is something that we've uh, been working on as well. And we've actually developed this mental health checklist that uh, providers can use to go through with their patients. And the link to the checklist will be in the show notes. The next idea that we really wanted to talk about is working with nurses on your team to really think about how they can be used as experts in your practice. So we had the great fortune to work with a number of nurses over the last year. And over this summer, we had two nurses working closely with us to help shape some of the material that's online. Jen Stokes is a registered nurse with a background in both public health and long-term care. And uh, she sees that there's a, a real potential here. There's a lot of care that we can do over the phone or through video and being creative is important. And I think right now, especially that it can be really important for nurses to be thinking about what are the factors affecting their clients in a pandemic. Thinking about their determinants of health is really important. And I think that's a role that nursing especially can definitely step into. It's all about that education and that collaboration. Nurses can take that client and connect them with resources in the community. They can collaborate with their other care providers. In many ways, nurses are experts in relational care, and uh, it's part of the training, and it's definitely important in this time when people might feel less connected relationally with others, family, friends, their social circles. Uh, Grace Scholler actually highlighted this really well. I think nurses need to continue to focus on relational care, to um, remind themselves and their colleagues about the core values around meeting people where they're at. I think that we need to be creative and flexible in how we do things. I think that's been always one of the incredible strengths of the nursing profession and nurses is it's just about getting it done. That's what we do. And I think we need to continue to that. I like what Grace said there about being creative and flexible. Christy and Jen also both underscored the importance of really being proactive right now, working in waves, checking in in slower times, thinking about different ways of doing things. It's really important. And we're now just shifting into flu season. That time of year is always a busy time anyway. But finding those times where it's a little slower, you can reach out to a couple of people that are higher risk. So we've talked about a couple ideas to do with public health and primary care, how to look for your high-risk patients and check in with them, doing that mental health check-in for those who are feeling the burden of the pandemic, and then how to really work with nurses as experts in your practice. A link to the new ISU implementation guide that's been developed to really support RNs working to full scope in virtual care is in the show notes. And this also includes that checklist for the mental health check-in. So thanks for joining us, and thanks to our guests, Jen Stokes, Carolyn Canfield, Gray Schaller, and Dr. Christy Newton. And as always, feel free to reach out. If you have any ideas that you'd like to hear us talk more about, please email isu at familymed.ubc.ca. This has been a presentation of the UBC Medicine Learning Network. 